so I played competitive basketball for 20 plus years, 20 plus years of my life. Uh, and in those 20 plus years, there was one particular moment in the spring of my senior year of high school where it was the biggest accomplishment I ever had in those 20 plus years of playing basketball. And this specific accomplishment made all the grueling workouts, all the early mornings, all the late evenings, all the workouts that almost made me want to throw up and quit. At that moment, it made it all worth it. And that biggest accomplishment for me was signing a, a college letter of intent to go play basketball at Long Island University. College scholarship, something I wanted since I was growing up as a little kid. That moment of, had come, I signed the line, it was sealed and it was official that I was part of the Long Island University men's basketball team. And although I was still in Dallas, Texas, everything from that point on was focused on what was going to best prepare me to be a successful basketball player in my future new home state of New York. And so the way I worked out, the way I lifted weights, my entire lifestyle was focused on me being successful in New York. Well, the only thing at that point in time that separated me from my future teammates that were already there was me just being transported to New York. You see, because I was already on the team. Everything was signed and sealed. I just wasn't there in person. But that day was going to come soon. Well, in the Christian life, if you're a true Christian here today, you've also received a heavenly scholarship by grace. Nothing that you've earned, but by grace, we've all received a heavenly scholarship. And it's been signed and it's been sealed by God. And everything in our, our life, although we're here right now in the world, everything in our life should be fully focused on preparing us for that time that we get to spend in heaven. And so knowing that we're that close, knowing that we're, we're, we're just a transportation away from being in, in the presence of Jesus Christ, you and I need to both establish our life today and make those preparations today in everything that we do, all the decisions that we make, all the actions that we take need to be focused on preparing us for that moment where we spend in glory with Christ. You see, because if we don't, if we don't do that, then we'll quickly be consumed by the world and all of the distractions that it has to offer. I mean, think about that. This world is full of distractions. You've all been distracted this week, if not the year 2020. You've been distracted by the election. It's taking your mind off of Christ. You've been distracted by COVID. I mean, just think about those two things alone. Just those two things. They've dominated the conversation probably over the last week in your life. Distractions. You've been distracted by job security. You've been distracted by financial security. You've been distracted by family issues that you have. And that's the whole point of this world. That's Satan's plan. All he wants to do is take our minds off of Christ and get us distracted with the day in and day out in the minutia of this world. And he's been very successful at it. But you see, we need a solution. 
As Christian men, we need to be able to have, when those times come, a quick solution to get our minds focused back on Christ. And that's exactly what Paul gives us in Colossians 3. He gives us arguably the most practical solution that we can have in Scripture. It has an immediate effect. As soon as we start to to drift away and our minds start to go off of Christ, Paul gives us directions to get our minds focused and set back on Christ and the benefit that it has. It's so clear that I want us to, to spend our time this morning reading that. And so if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And as you're turning there, where we're at in Colossians is it's Colossians 1 and 2. Paul is telling the Colossian church, which is full of Christians, that Christ is sufficient. He's enough. You see, that the church has been infiltrated with all of these uh, extra doctrines of saying, you know, Christ, just having Christ, that isn't enough. You need to be circumcised. You need to have these mystical thoughts. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, and, and Paul is centering their focus to say, no, Christ is enough. He's sufficient. And then Colossians 2, he gets to saying that because we have died with Christ, we've also been risen with Christ. We've died to this world. And we've been risen with Christ. And that gets us into verse 1 of chapter 3. It says this. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 1 says, if then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. So Paul is not saying if as if he's questioning, if he's uncertain if they've been raised with Christ. You can really, you can really substitute that word and say since. Because Paul is affirming that. He's saying, since you've been raised with Christ, so on. He's talking to primarily Christians here. But if I can imagine for a second, just as we have Christian churches here, that doesn't mean there's a 100% conversion rate. That means there are some individuals within that church that is by and large Christian. There's some individuals that are within that church that are not Christian. They're in one or two camps. They either think they're Christians, but they're truly not, or they profess and they'll admit that they're not Christians. And so, see, before we go anywhere else, anywhere else, we need to address this first part of the verse. Because if I can imagine for this room, it's the same thing. While we say we're in men's Bible study, and I can assume I'm talking to mostly Christians, there might be some of you that are in that same boat that think you're Christian, but your life doesn't reflect that. Or you might just even say, hey, I, I, I'm not a Christian, but you want to be here. So we can't go anywhere until we get that one thing clear. 
And that one most important thing lies within that first verse, and it's the question of, are you sure you're right with Christ? Right now, today, are you sure that you are right with Christ? In our culture, most people want to rush through this question. As soon as we get it, yep, 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 I'm good, I'm good, move on to the next thing. But if this is the most important question, the most important subject of our entire life, because it determines eternity, we got to spend some more time on this question. Are you sure you're right with Christ? And some of you, even, if I, even as I said that, before I even finished the sentence, you said, yes, 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 move on. And I might be talking to you if you answer that question without truly thinking about your life and meditating on your life and saying, am I sure I'm right with Christ? It deserves more attention. And you see, if, if we don't get this question right, if we don't put enough time and emphasis on making sure we're sure we're right, we're right with Christ, then the rest of this message, the rest of this entire series it just becomes a whole bunch of nice, if you have time, items to do. They sound good. They make you feel good. But only if it's convenient for you. It doesn't become your whole life. It doesn't become the mission of your life like Paul is telling us Christ should be. They're just a bunch of check-the-box items. So we need to make sure we're truly right with Christ. And here it is, our first point this morning. That's it. Ensure you're truly with Christ. Ensure you are truly with Christ. Paul also writes in Titus 1.16, he says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. He's talking to these, these, these empty talkers and, and deceivers, these people that uh, the Pharisees of that day that, you know, on the external, on the outside, they make it seem like they're doing the right thing. And from our point of view, they look great, right? I want to strive to be more like them. But he's saying that they're, they deny them by their works. So if you just look at their life, they, they're hypocrites. All of the things that they're preaching and saying and, and telling us what we should do, their heart's not in it because they're truly not with Christ. Another example, the rich young ruler. He's talking to Jesus himself. And he's saying, yeah, Jesus, I've done that. Next. I've done that. Next. Jesus said, okay, sell everything. Follow me. He's like, whoa, 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 brother. I don't know if I can do that. Everything? Yeah, Jesus said everything. And what does he do? He walks away. Because he can't. You see, he can give the things that are convenient, right? The things that our time or our effort or our finances, those things that we're not going to use anyway, here, God, I'll give you that. And sometimes it's a lot because we have an abundance, and it seems like a lot, but the heart's truly not in it. Be willing to give up everything. Are you sure you're with Christ? You know, being in uh, Southern California this year alone, it's great to be a sports fan here. You got a lot of championships happening in L.A. Lakers, Dodgers. 
I mean, you, you got to have virtual parades, so you can't quite celebrate like normal. But, you know, they won a championship. They still get a banner for it, right? And even many of you, I, I've seen you. You've gone out and purchased apparel. You got hats. You got shirts. You got socks, headbands, all this stuff about championships. 2020. Some of you got more stuff than the actual players got. Right? You've gone out and bought all this. But, you, you know, you got all of this stuff, and it feels like sometimes even during the season, emotionally, you know, they, they, they put you on high, and emotionally they'll bring you low just based on how they're performing. So you feel like you're part of the team. All the apparel, you look like it from the external. You, you, you feel it sometimes. You hurt when they lose. But can I give you some bad news? You're not part of the team. You're not on the roster. See, you and me both, we're, we're fans. We didn't go through the preseason. We weren't sweating. We weren't, you know, getting bumped and bruised during the season. Therefore, we didn't earn a ring at the end of the year. We had to pay for all of our stuff. I got some of it, so I'm right there with you. But we're fans. We're not truly on the roster. Well, guess who else has fans? Christianity. Christianity has a lot of fans. You see, those fans, are, they're right there on the outskirts. They're so close. They, they, they're emotionally, they, they get some of the highs and some of the lows. It just splashes on them because they're so close to being there. But they're on the outskirts. They're not truly in the game. And all the external things, they dress like Christians. They act like Christians. But if you truly ask yourselves, if they're truly thinking, they know they're not on the heavenly roster. They just want to appear that way from an external perspective. It's like me most of my life growing up. Oh, I looked apart. I can look the part with the best of them. I can say a few words, string a few verses together, go to church every Sunday, read the Bible here and there, just enough to have conversation. But I didn't want to truly give Christ everything. You want everything? Oh, you got to give me something, Christ. Let me, let me at least have a little. No, he wants everything. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Because I had deceived myself. Well, all I'm saying is, here today, if that's you, that can change this morning. It doesn't have to take years and years. It can change. And that's the most important thing that can change. That's the most important adjustment that can be made is you saying, Christ, I'm going to give up everything to follow you. And so don't be too prideful. Just because you've been in men's Bible study for all these years, to finally say, hey, I had it wrong. I thought I was with Christ, but I wasn't truly with him. Let's make sure we get that right today. Being truly in Christ allows us to get to the rest of the passage, allows us to get through the rest of this sermon series and make it make sense because it's now our life. It's not just a few check-the-box items. So let's get back to our passage in the rest of verse 1 and verse 2, it says this. It says, seek the things that are above. So if we've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. 
seated at the right hand of God. At right hand of God is, if you think about it, it's the highest honor. It's equal. If you're in, you know, at your job, if you say somebody's my right hand man, if you're not there, they can, somebody can go to them and they can get pretty much the same exact answer. They're equal. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. While you're looking at your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 21. We've got Jesus here talking to the disciples. And Peter here, Peter makes a specific comment um, that he thinks is right. It doesn't go very well. It says this in, in verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And here comes Peter. Peter took him aside. Come over here, Jesus. Let me talk to you. He began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. This shall never happen to you. I'm not going to let it happen to you, God. I got you. You need me. But Jesus turned to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Now, I mean, picture that for a moment. Right? You're, you're talking to Jesus. And he calls Peter Satan. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. Get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine what Peter thought? Like, oh, whoa, I was just trying to help, Lord. What? Satan? But if you keep reading, that's how important it is to Christ that we keep our minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. You see, Peter had his mind on things of the earth, of thinking that he needed to battle and help Jesus. God said, I don't need your help. All I need you to do is be obedient and follow me. Get behind me, Satan. That's how important it is for us to keep our minds above. You want to know how Jesus thinks about keeping your mind on earthly things? There it is. He thinks it's satanic. And we have to think of it that same way. See, when I signed this scholarship to play at Long Island University, I was still in high school, but the things of high school really weren't that important to me anymore. Because my mind was focused on something else, something that was bigger and better that I was headed to. You see, I was still having to take classes and everything, right? I still had to finish up the school year. I still practiced and worked out with my high school teammates, but, but it was different. My focus wasn't like every other high schooler at that point in time. I mean, you looked at me and saw I was a high schooler, but my mind was some, somewhere else. It was in New York. I was preparing for my soon-to-be destination. And I was no longer aiming to please my high school coach because it didn't matter anymore. I didn't have any more high school eligibility. My sole purpose while I was in high school that spring and summer was to please my future coach and to please my future teammates and prepare for that moment right then and there. And as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to be preparing today, right now, to please our new coach and our new leader. And that's our second point 
this morning. I put it this way. We need to aim to please Christ. Aim to please Christ in all that we do. Not man, not things of this earth. Aim to please Christ. Not your wife, not your kids. Aim to please Christ. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.14. Sitting in jail, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. That invitation, that upward call. If you're aiming to please yourself, then you're aiming to please the things of this earth. You know why? Because you're here. You are physically here. So if you're aiming to please your physical self that's here, you're stuck. There's no way that you can seek the things that are above. It's just not possible. Well, Kellen, how do I aim to please Christ? I get it. You know, we say that a lot, but how do I truly aim to please Christ? Well, the first way we aim to please Christ is you got to know what pleases Christ, right? We need to know exactly what pleases Christ. It'd be like, you, you know, you're getting ready to have company over, and you tell your kids, hey, I need you to do one thing for me. I need you to clean up the living room. I don't have time to do it. I need you guys to clean up the living room, make it look nice for our company. And let's say your kids went up and, and made up their beds and, you know, they went outside and swept all the leaves and uh, they cleaned up the kitchen and they came to you looking for approval and saying, hey, did I do a good job? Are you going to be satisfied? Probably not, right? Look, I appreciate the good help that you did, but I, I gave you one task. And this was the greatest task that I gave you to do and, and you didn't do it. You did a whole bunch of other things that are good. And that happens in the Christian life as well. God's given us one great commission, one great task. What is that? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. But oftentimes, we, we, send, we tend to resort to the easier things. We go study. We go fellowship with other brothers. And we go, we go serve. Those are all good things. I'm not knocking any of them. We need those. God has commanded us to do that. But he's also given us a great commission to go make disciples. And so if you want to aim to please Christ, go after the greatest thing that he's given us, the commission that he's given us to end at the end of his earthly ministry. Go make other disciples. Go teach what I've taught you. Go advance the truth that the rest of the world doesn't want to hear. Go advance the gospel. That's what we can do to please Christ. Go after the greatest thing. I had a brother uh, in Christ that goes here, and I was talking to him uh, not too long ago, and I asked a question just, when did you feel like you were the most connected with Christ? At what point in your life? And I was thinking he was going to say, you know what, within this year, right, or within the last few months. He was like 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, wow. Got some work. We got something to talk about here. Like 10 years ago? Like why? Like you haven't felt closer, closely connected with God within the last 10 years? And this is what he said to me, because it made sense after he told me. He said, 10 years ago, I was on a missions trip, and we were up in Canada during the Winter Olympics. And I felt more connected to God than I've ever been before because I was on a missions trip. And that was the only thing I was focused on. Didn't have a job at the time. Didn't have internet connection or anything. Didn't have cell phones. 
All I had was me, my wife, our missionary team, and the mission that was at hand. And so we were either sharing Christ or we were praying about the people that we were sharing Christ with. We were either sharing Christ or praying, sharing Christ or praying. And I felt so connected to God, he said. And he's like, not that I haven't felt connected before, but there's a lot of other distractions that tend to get in my way when I'm here, when I'm at work, when I'm around family, when I'm around other things that block my attention from our mission. And I thought that was, that was just so interesting because he had a clear sight of the mission. The final destination is in heaven. And he saw, he saw every soul that he interacted with is needing to hear the gospel. Not, oh, they might be mad or not, oh, I got to rush back to work. But every soul that he saw, they needed to hear the gospel. So his, his entire mission was to aim to please Christ during that time. Now, I'm not saying we need to go back 10 years. But just thinking about how much we let everything else that's normal in this world cloud our decision in our mission to please Christ. Most of you during COVID or quarantine, I don't even know what to call it nowadays, whatever, lock up. Um, most of you, you have taken a vacation over the summer, right? You, you got away just to do something different. You know what's difficult about vacations? Packing. Dude, it's hard sometimes to figure out what do I take. Sometimes I just want to throw my entire closet in there and say I'll figure it out when I get there. But that doesn't work, right? You only have a limited amount of space. And so during this time of packing, you really have to think through, okay, I got all of this stuff that needs to go, but what's going to be the most important thing for me to have when I'm there at my destination? Constantly have to filter through that. And when you do that, that's going to cause you to throw out some things that, that, that might be worthwhile having there, but it's not the most important thing that we can have there. The same thing in our daily life. There's a lot of earthly distractions. And guess what? Every earthly distraction will seem so productive and so important. And it seems like we have to do it. There's no other way that we, we could survive if we don't do that. And most of us as men, that thing is our job. Oftentimes, we say, hey, I can't because I have to work. I can't because I have this meeting. I can't because of this. I can't because of that. And we make our sole mission of life our job. And again, having a job, it's good. We need a job. We're supposed to work. We're created as men to work. But God never intended that to supersede our mission to follow him. And so these earthly distractions, we need to treat that like packing sometimes and really think about, are these things that I need to have? And what's most beneficial for this trip that I'm going on? Not just the convenient things, not the, the cup holder change. Right? When you see a homeless person, you're like, oh, you got anything? Yeah, here, I'll, I'll give you this. You weren't going to use that anyway. It's convenient for you. God's talking about everything. Following Christ comes with a cost. Comes with a cost. It's giving away the things that hurt. Because guess what? You're not the only one that has a reason why you can't do something. Everyone has a legitimate reason why they can't fully follow Christ or why they can't fully aim to please Christ in something particular that they're doing. There's always a reason, and it sounds good. 
They do. They all sound good. But sometimes you look at other brothers in Christ and say, like, man, he's sold out. He must not have a lot to do. His job must not be that important. It's not that it's not that important. It's because they've transitioned their mindset to say, nothing is more important than me following Christ. And so if that requires me to move some stuff, if that requires me to, to make these extreme adjustments in life, Matthew 5, being willing to cut my right hand off if it's causing me to sin, if it's causing me to distract away from God, then I'm going to do it. That's the difference. It's not that they're not busy. They're busy just like you are. But sometimes we just need to t back out of our life and, and really take what Scripture is telling us. It says set our minds on things that are above. Like really, sometimes we need to do that. Set our minds on heavenly things. Like what if your mind was up here? What if your mind is up here? What does that do for you? Well, that gives you a bigger perspective, a bigger scope of what everything else is happening here on earth. You see, if our minds are here on earth, follow me, you're here, earth is here, there's, you, you have a limited view. But if you set your minds on heavenly things, you have a broader range and a scope of seeing what truly is important and what are the things that are not important. It allows you to prioritize things that, that matter for years and years as opposed to prioritizing the things that are just needless tasks for that day, for that moment, and then you move on to something else. I love this poem from the British missionary C.T. Studd, he said it this way in his poem, Only One Life. Part of it says this, it says, only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last at the end of this life. That means we need to be slower with our decisions. Slower just thinking through how we go about our day, how we plan and structure our day. You see, because what comes to mind first typically isn't a God-glorifying thing. It's the flesh. As soon as you think about something, here's what the flesh wants to do. But then you have to cipher through that. You have to filter. You have to to think about it a little bit more, to really get what's going to aim to please Christ. It's like if you were going on a diet. Some of you have with COVID. But think about a, a diet, right? When you get really hungry, when the stomach starts growling, guess what you're not looking for? A fruit cup. You don't want a fruit cup. Get out of here, man. I mean, give me a cheeseburger, right? Give me a, a, a bagel. Give me a muffin. Some of you just got convicted right there. I'm not if you had a muffin, that's fine. I'm not saying you can't have a muffin. But the things that we need, the things that we know we're supposed to have, that's not the first thing that comes to mind because we want to satisfy something that's going to make us feel good. And so all I'm saying, if we're aiming to please Christ, let's not just take the first thing that comes to mind and run after that. Sometimes it takes slowing down and asking yourself, is this going to please Christ by me doing this? Sometimes it takes getting counsel from another brother to say, am I on the right track? Sometimes it takes praying about it and being in the Word and being a little bit more diligent about our decision-making as opposed to rushing, which our culture wants us to do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He will make straight your paths. So you see, Paul wasn't telling the Colossian church here, hey, get rid of everything. He didn't say that. He said, no, just set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on Christ. And you know what? It's going to be super impactful if you stay where you are and you just change your mindset. Yeah, you, you may have to make some adjustments, but think about how impactful that, are, that is. If you're at work and people know you have been one way, but then all of a sudden God gets a hold of your heart and changes you and you become this new creation, you got a brand new mission field. If you just reset your mind and put it on Christ and not the earthly things that the rest of the world is on. Again, once I got to college, going back to my illustration, is I, I quickly realized that all the stuff that I did in, in high school didn't matter anymore. Because one thing that I came to find out was everybody was the best player in high school that got a college scholarship. So me taking my accolades saying I did this, it didn't mean anything because it was a new start. None of that mattered. Well, Paul is telling the Colossians the same thing. It's like, look, your old life, it doesn't matter. Like, don't go back and look in the rearview mirror and say, do I need to incorporate this again? Like, well, was it not so bad back then? He's saying die to your old life and follow Christ. Getting back into our passage in verse 3 is exactly what it starts with. It says, Paul says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, he gives us this, this, this past, this present, this future, all in this verse 3 here. The past is, is the death that we have died. That's happened in the past. We've died as past tense. That death happened, that salvation. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The old you is dead. It's dead. Dead to what? It's, we're dead to being hellbound because we have a new earthly destination in heaven. We're, we're dead to, be, to fearing death. Because once we die, we get to go spend eternity with Christ. We're dead to hopelessly longing for something better. Because we know that there's something better and that something better is, lies for us in heaven. And we're dead to the blindness of sin. Because we can now see it for what it is. God has opened our eyes to allow us to see the problem with this world is sin. And we're now alive to a perfect destination in eternity, and we get to be with Christ because we belong to Christ. And that's our final point for this morning is we need to remember who we belong to. Remember who we belong to. When you get, again, in the day-to-day -day and in the earthly distractions, because they will come, they're going to come, they're not going to stop, we need to remember we don't belong to this world. We don't need to get caught up in, the, in everything that's going on here like the rest of the world because we belong to somebody else. We belong to something much higher, much powerful than Jesus Christ. Growing up, I went to a couple big family reunions uh, as a little kid. 
and I don't know if it's just black family reunions or what, but you, you, don't, you don't get a name for yourself until you're an adult. You're just your parents' kids. Like, oh, that's Andre and Teresa's son. It's like, no, my name is Kellen. And like, hey, 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 this is Andre and Teresa's son. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm Kellen. But you belong to somebody else. See, people, people don't want to take the effort to say, okay, I'm going to get to know you for who you are. They want to make as least amount of connections as they can. So they say, you belong to the person that they do know, and then they build this family tree. Most of my life, I belonged to somebody. I was Teresa and, Kellen's, uh, Teresa and Andre's son. Never had a name in a family reunion. But just like us, we belong to Christ. And we can be okay with that. We can be okay with that. that. That's the biggest compliment we can have. We don't need a name. We need to be followers of Christ. That's it. 1 John 3, 2 says it this way. It says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. You see, right now, right now, presently, we're hidden with Christ. We're hidden with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ. What I mean by that is externally, if somebody looks at us, before they get to know us, we blend in with the world. Our relationship is not front and center. It's not external for the entire world to see as it will be one day when Christ returns. So right now, our life is hidden with Christ. But there will come a day, if you're truly in Christ, to where all will be able to see that we are with Christ. And the Christ that we're with, Pastor PJ talked about it a couple weeks ago, is the Christ of Revelation 19. It describes it this way. It says, he judges and makes war. That Christ. His eyes are like a flame of fire. That Christ. His mouth, from his mouth comes a sharp sword to strike down nations, and he will rule them with the rod of iron. That's who we belong to. That's the Christ that we belong to. Right now, we belong to him at this very moment and at all times. We're never off the clock. My first couple jobs that I had, I was paid hourly. And I would quickly use the excuse Hey, I'm off the clock. If somebody tried to ask me something on a lunch break or when I wasn't working, I'm, I'm off the clock. I'm off the clock. Don't talk to me. I'm off the clock. If you're going to talk to me, you better pay me. I'm off the clock. That was my, my go-to. Then I first got my, sal- my first salary job. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, dude, I get paid all the time. But I quickly ra- realized being salary is a scam. I don't like it. right? Because what you don't realize as a young kid is, you're always on. And the first time I had a lunch break, I'm like, hey, I'm off the clock. And they were like, no, 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 brother. <laughs> you're salary. You're always on. You're always going to be ready to answer my questions. I'm like, seriously? So we, I, I, being salary means you're always on the clock. And we need to be always on for who we belong to, Jesus Christ. There's not a time where we can check out. We're always on the clock. Day after I, or days after I signed that scholarship, 
there were newspaper articles and, and all these things that went out. It said, you know, Summit High School, was the name of my high school, Summit High School forward Kellen Allen is set to attend Long Island University in New York. And, and everything was right. Everything was lined up. I had a jersey. I had a locker room set or a locker set up for me. Everything was, was ready to go. The only thing that was different from me and my teammates that were currently there was my location. All I needed to do was be transported to New York, and I was just like they were, a part of the team. Everything was lined up. As Christians, we need to understand that everything is already lined up for us, signed and sealed, if you've been saved. And the only thing that separates us from being in person with Christ, being in person with those that are in heaven, is the death of our physical body. We're that close. Like, physical body dies, we're in heaven with Christ. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, all of that waiting came to an end eventually. It took a while, but it came to an end because I finally stepped foot on campus, and I was finally part of my new team with my new coach. Well, same thing is going to happen for us, man. If you're a Christian in this room today, there's going to come that day very soon where we're finally going to get to be in person with our new coach and our new team. But until that time, we need to focus everything that we're doing in life, preparing ourselves for where we're headed in eternity. All the decisions that we make, all the acts that we take, we need to be preparing for that moment where we get to dwell with God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this text. Thank you for just giving it to us so clear that we need to set our minds on things that are above. Set our minds to seek and please you. And Lord, it's not easy because there's so many earthly distractions that seem right, that seem productive, that seem like we have to do it and there's no other way. But I pray that you would set our minds on the mission field, on the task at hand, on the great commission, on our final destination. I pray that our minds would be constantly reset back on pleasing you. And the earthly distractions won't end, Lord, but we need to please you because that is our mission. That is why you have us here as Christians. That is why we're still breathing today because there's still work to be done. So help us to go out and please you and seek to set our minds on Christ in all that we do, preparing today, right now, for our eternal home. In Jesus' name, amen.